Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for bearing with me. Uh, this is Talking Technophobia in Film, and I am your host, Professor Movies. Tonight, we will be talking about uh, the 1986 David Cronenberg masterpiece and all of its gooey parts, The Fly. Um, general reminder, as I sip uh, from product placement, uh, if you haven't already become a member of LMC, which I know most of you have because you're all really cool and suave and like having access to tons of resources and knowledge. Um, but if you haven't, uh, this is that plug that LMC is a great place full of great hardworking people. I mean you, Stefan. Uh, and, uh, you know, consider being a member. Uh, all right. So uh, general reminders, we will meet again in September. Someone told me September 3rd is like Memorial Day weekend. Uh, okay, um, maybe that'll change. Uh, and then we meet for our final time, uh, December 3rd. I'm doing my Goldblum, by the way. Uh, um, hmm, Monsters and Mad Men is our, is our topic for the year. Uh, we'll see if the, the last two really fit, but I think this one, this one definitely does. Memorial Day, Labor Day? Whichever one, you know, you know, the calendar, I still think it's March 2020 is Labor Day, they tell me. Okay, so uh, tonight we will be talking about some designer genes, uh, the technology of teleportation, uh, mad scientist as magician, and finally what this movie is saying about uh, morality in terms of its uh, final message. Uh, as always, uh, we're thinking about what this movie is showing us about film, culture, and technology. And please remember to raise your hand. Now, I'm going to be honest, the way Zoom is set up, I don't know. I can't, I can see hands now. Okay, I moved the, the video up here. Jamie, thank you. I'm going to consider that a wave, not a raise, though, um, or a one-handed clap. Uh, all right, so remember to raise your hand. Let's do some warm-up questions to make sure people know how to use the chat. Uh, all right, so three words or less. I'll give you 30 seconds. Summarize your reaction to this movie. 30 seconds. I would hum Jeopardy, but uh, copyright claims, uh, can't do it. But imagine I'm humming the Jeopardy music in your head. I'm really good at it. You can, you can hear it. All right, we got fear, horror, sorrow. <laughs> WTF, Stefan. Yeah, that's, that's probably accurate. Ugh, poor monkey. I like that one as well. I'm sorry I killed your brother, you know? Weird bug sex. Yeah, I guess so. There's something very Kafka-esque about this whole movie. Horny fever dream, yeah. Okay. Uh, all right, so second question. Um, a line or moment that sticks out in your head? Um, I know when this movie goes off the rails for me. Uh, I don't know. What's something that sticks out? Gina Davis, heart. Uh, She's so good in this movie. I think um, this movie is subversively a, a feminist vehicle for, for her and female empowerment, uh, but that's just me. Uh, remember to turn your panelists and, oh, okay. I want it out now. That's good. The arm wrestling scene. Yeah, when that bone pops out. Okay, as these keep coming in, I will, go over the brass tacks. 
Um, David Cronenberg, mm, kind of like one of those horror greats uh, in terms of body horror, um, The Thing and some other stuff. He also um, shares a screenwriting credit with us, comes out in August 1986. Uh, really small cast, actually. Um, very few people with speaking lines. Uh, we got, you know, uh, maybe count them on the, our hands. But fun fact, Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum were dating at the time, and that's how she was picked for this role. Um, you know, has a modest budget of nine million, goes on to make 60 million. Uh, this is a remake of the 50s, The Fly, starring Vincent Price, uh, for those of you who weren't aware. Um, I don't know, that's a cool movie in its own right. Uh, it kind of starts with the, the, guy, the dead body and them trying to figure out what had happened. But, you know, check it out. Um, Vincent Price had seen the, the remake and he said he thought it was really good up until a point. And then, you know, he thought it had gone too far. Won an Oscar for best uh, makeup. And if you haven't seen Fly 2, you shouldn't. Uh, but uh, Fly 2 is out there and it exists and it involves his son who has um, what Robin Williams has in, in, in that movie in the movie where he ages really fast. He, he ages really fast. Um, somebody in the chat, tell me what he, uh... Jack? Yeah, thank you. Very good stuff and points. All right, tonight's, speaking of points, tonight's prize, uh, be the first person in the chat to type uh, an answer correctly and send it to me. And I guess you can send it to everybody. Send it to everyone and um, you will win this, this lovely, one of 250 kind, um, courtesy of Etsy, uh, the fly mug, featuring your your one and only boy, Brundlefly. Um, it's about 12 ounces, you know, it's, it's, it's double glazed. Just, oh, and yeah, well, you can't win this, but speaking of double glazed, thanks, Jamie. Uh, yeah, okay, I'm not raffling that off, but I am open to bribes. Um, question, name the actor. What sci-fi horror uh, alum cameos as the doctor that Ronnie visits? Type it in the chat, Jeopardy music, 30 seconds. Pretend I'm humming it. And J Jamie wins. Jamie, congratulations, uh, because it is the director, uh, David Cronenberg. Greg, you had the name, but you guys can share this. Uh, you guys have won the mug. Uh, please uh, see our producers at the end of uh, the show tonight and they will help you out. Speaking of Sunday, uh, the powers that be at LMC have also suggested we raffle a, a Sunday calendar for 2020. I pointed out that 2020 is halfway over, um, but you let me know. Uh, it's one of five limited edition Sunday the dog calendars. Uh, <laughs> uh, Okay, all right, thoughts are coming in. 2020 is over, this is 2021. Like I said, you gotta bear with me. I was a fly for, for three months. Okay, um, speaking of flies. So this is in the tradition of the mad scientist. And one of the things I really invite you to consider as we go through the year with our four films is thinking about how much changes from mad scientist movie to mad scientist movie going from Frankenstein in the 30s to the fly 50 years later in the 80s. Um, but also what stays the same. Um, 
in a lot of ways, this movie is concerned with very similar things that the Frankenstein is. Uh, it is in a lot of ways a modern retelling of that Frankenstein story. And you know how I feel about Frankenstein. So despite its intended function, the telepotter, uh, teleporter becomes a gene splicer. It becomes a, a telepotter, yeah, a dream, gene splicer. Uh, and it's used to purify Seth, right? Um, he wasn't pure, he talks about a lot. The technological advancement is um, rushed and it worries us because there are these unforeseen consequences. So let's talk about how the movie views those consequences from playing around with, tele with teleportation, with technology, with rushing, right? Um, Seth becomes very invalid uh, and you know falls apart. And the things that are created through technology in Frankenstein and this movie are considered like affronts to the natural order, abominations, if you will. Um, and therefore I'm gonna go that step and say, just like Frankenstein, this movie is questioning eugenics just under a different name, right? Genetic engineering, um, the idea of like purity, genetics, imperfections in certain people. Um, are we what we are? Can we improve upon that? Um, and the movie, just like Frankenstein, comes down really hard on the disabled and diseased. Um, we'll talk about the ending when we get to the morality part. But nobody really walks away from this intact. Uh, so, but Seth the worst, right? So technology of teleportation. Um, and this is the time of the evening where I will turn it over to you guys. Um, so this is coming out mid 80s. So there's definitely an American uh, cultural computer boom that's happened by then. Um, computers aren't in every home, but the push is starting. Um, so there is a reflection of that. These like technology, technological whiz kid, you know, that Seth kind of comes to represent. But more than just that, right? He's 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 a recluse. He's removed. And what makes him unique is that he's he's trying to solve this problem for his own reasons, right? His motion sickness. Um, he's not trying to conquer death itself or anything like that. He has very modest goals, right? Very trying to re revitalize things in terms of comfort and convenience. And that maybe is what technology has started to look like in the 80s. It's no longer weapons of mass destruction um, or defeating death, conquering the natural elements. It's now making our lives better and easier, which has always been technology's intended purpose. Uh, so, um, and there's also with Seth this idea of like, he dies and comes back. I will listen to a bunch of middle schoolers today talk about how um, when you teleport, it kills you and then just rebuilds your atoms again and stuff like that, um, which really reminded me of the prestige, uh, but that's more of a cloning machine than teleporter, but also David Bowie. So, um, Talk to me, what do you guys think about the teleporter? If we were gonna put a name on this thing in terms of symbolism, what do you think this represents in this movie? Do you think it's just a teleporter? But how can we see the symbolic evidence? Uh, and you guys can raise your hand and unmute. I will unmute if I can't, can it? All right, it's being done. So anyone wanna raise your hand and tell me? Uh, what do you think about the teleporter or technology in general in this movie? Now I'm just looking at the chat. Star Wars Eugenic Wars. Yeah. Was that the 90s they thought that happened? 
or was it the early 21st century? I don't know, but you're, Lisa's correct. Um, World War III was basically like the eugenics wars, uh, according to Star Trek. Hi. Please. Oh, you have to hit the mute button. Oh, I hear Jamie. There's no, not you. There's three of us in the room. So, okay, Jamie, the more the merrier. Yes, we're here. Oh, there's four of us. I'm sorry, Phoebe. She was upset. Okay. Um, Yeah. So the technology in this film was a little bit confusing to me. And I don't know if it was because I was uh, really afraid of this movie. Um, But I, I, I wish that there had been more information information about how the computer worked because apparently this computer was like a, a kind of an iRobot right it was making decisions and and we we are not learning at any point how this computer is is learning or making decisions uh for example Brundle at one point is like I have to teach the computer about flesh all right yeah. that's cool so like what do you do what did he do how did he teach him about flesh? Did he just write some things? I, I, that was one thing I was very confused about, but still very impressed by teleportation and gene splicing. It's, it is impressive. It would also like destabilize the world probably. Um, this this uh, thing he's invented, right? Like if you think about our transportation industry, it's out of business. Um, okay, but you're right. We skip over a lot of the science of the science fiction. Um, and that's, I wonder, did Seth even teach it or did he outsource that like all of the other things? But we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about Seth a little can more. Can you repeat yeah. that? Ryan and Greg are obviously talking to each other. Can you just repeat that? He outsourced what? Oh, he could have outsourced the whole programming, the computer, how to learn to love the flesh. Oh, right, right. Because he's Right, because he said he outsourced building it, correct? Yeah, like most of it, right? He's just a project manager, he says. Um, but we'll talk about Seth a little more because I've got thoughts about him. Yeah, but I, I think that the computer was almost its own character in that movie, the same way it would have been its own character in her, the movie Her. Yeah, it was cheeky, that computer, right? What If uh, element one is Brundle, what is element two? Not Brundle. You know, that yeah. computer had a sense of humor. What's another movie where the computer, there's, I've seen another movie where a computer is giving cheeky responses and talking back. What movie? Interstellar? Uh, Maybe it's War Games. Oh, War Games. War Games is a good one for talking technophobia. Okay, oh, uh, any other thoughts about teleportation? Teleporter? All right, so think about what teleportation is. You go from one place to another really, really quickly, right? Um, Star Trek does have it. There's another Star Trek reference. We got to do a Star Trek one of these days. Um, it's a shortcut, right? And the whole reason they they make it, uh, you know, go bad often is because these scientists take short shortcuts. All right, Greg, go for it. I, what do you think? I was, I was just noticing that this movie came out in 1986, which is the same year as Aliens. And one of the cool things about it is that it looked just like an alien set piece. You're right. Sorry. Can you hear me? Oh, no, that's awesome. That's good because yeah. I'm looking at the slides right now and I'm, uh, there's something like this very movie came out at the same time. And it's almost like they looked at the stuff from, like they had the same set designer. Those alien pods look like they could have, the teleporter pods look exactly like a set from Aliens. Yeah. I like, they remind me of the eggs. Um, and there's another like birth kind of thing there too with the eggs happening. Xenopod. 
Right, and, well, and they're xenopods, and in the movie Aliens, they were xenomorphs. Right. Right. I, mean, I don't know where, like, something happened in the 80s where people thought that the word xeno would be cool, but... The prefix, it's very yeah. clear that they were all on the same page together. I'm going to start putting that in front of more words. Z xeno? Xeno. This is my xeno car and my xeno mug. My husband is xeno, Greg. Xeno, Greg. There's an alternate reality for us there somewhere. Yeah. Um... But okay. that's like what was overwhelming about like or overarching about like the technology in this. Like it it looks like they oddly enough, I think the movie was more about the philosophy of the movie and less about the technology. Not about the technology, but the like the, the set pieces were not like hyper detailed, kind of like in Star Trek, where they weren't really too into the science. He's like, I made a teleporter and we could teleport steak and turn gorillas inside out. Mm -hmm. um, but like it, and then they looks like they borrowed the set piece from 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 uh, any other 1986 movie, which was cool. <laughs> they definitely but, got the lighting from an 86 movie. Yes, definitely with the backlighting. Well, that's what I thought. Well, so I have a thought about your question. What does the teleporter symbolize? Please. Okay. So in, in theory, the teleporter represents or the, the transporter represents a, um, a shortcut to evolution. Okay. If you will. Um, I will. What? I said I will. Oh, um, did I say it? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's essentially a, a, a... <laughs> Greg's laughing at me. It's a shortcut to evolution. Uh, not, not intentionally. It wasn't intentionally that uh, shortcut. But that's it. That was just my thought. Yeah. No, and that's um, that's interesting because it is like it's skipping steps, and if you don't be careful and you don't take your time and you don't check your math um, and run a couple more tests, you may end up merging yourself with a fly or turning a couple more monkeys inside out first. That would um, be most unfortunate. Yeah, the second monkey efforts right, it just kind of disappears from the story. I like to think he went on to a long successful career um, after <laughs> this. Maybe he was I a like to model. think that maybe he ate the monkey. Not love. Yeah, he, he definitely. If that monkey was still in the apartment, he he threw up and dissolved and ate that monkey. Oh, that's I think week that's three awesome. of transformation. But first, he uh, dusted it with sugar powder. You did have a sweet tooth. Yeah. All right. Any other thoughts about technology? Monkey escaped. Okay. okay uh you guys you might want to mute yourselves because you're still on um all right so mad scientist has evolved a little bit in the 50 years since frankenstein um and really seth is being kind of presented as a magician of sorts the movie plays around with this metaphor um to help show the dangers of being a mad scientist i don't know about you but i think most magicians are con artists um but the, you know they're very persuasive con artists but maybe you know you've been practicing some up close magic and you take offense to that and it's so i apologize but yeah i don't know there's something sleazy and distrustful about um you know magicians because the whole thing is they're trying to trick you and maybe we want to be tricked but seth is definitely presented as such you know magic word cheeseburger but if we think about really what underlies that, right, he didn't design the trick 
right? He didn't actually do the work to put it together. He outsources it, like the quote on the right of the screen says. He's just a glorified project manager who says, build me this and build me that. Um, but with that, he still has the same characterization as Dr. Frankenstein, as most mad scientists do. And it's that character flaw of hubris, right? That over, over inflated sense of ego, that, that extreme pride or arrogance. You know, he is isolated from the rest of society, Seth. He, um, he trusts that the transporter is going to work. You know, he, you know, without doing a couple more tests. Nah, it's fine. You're fine, right? He says to the monkey. So there's definitely that. And he, he flies too close to the sun, just like in Frankenstein. And what I want you to really think about is how, are, how else are they similar? How else can we see, you know, Seth being a Henry Frankenstein figure for the modern age of 1986? Thoughts? Questions? Ducati. Yeah, it was. The teleporter was modeled after the Ducati. It wasn't? I said yes. I'm being heckled. Yeah, not thinking through the consequences. Is Seth worse than Dr. Frankenstein? You guys, because, you know, one lives, the other dies. Incidental. So he kind of in, inadvertently, he's not trying to, he's not throwing dirt in the face of death like Dr. Frankenstein does in the opening scenes of that movie. Seth is still poking the bear though, right? Uh, I mean, metaphorically, he could be robbing graves, uh, you know, taking other people's ideas and slapping them together. He did acknowledge he was a monster. That um, that insect politician speech is uh, chilling and is probably my favorite part of this movie. Uh, and the quote from the end of it is there, you know, and now the dream is over and the insect is awake. Okay. So he tries to protect the, the girl. Dr. Frankenstein tries to protect his fiance. They both got that other dude who's um sweeping swooping in was he bad that's good the, the monster was pure jamie that's true i mean say what you want but it was the pinnacle of fly genetics yeah does he learn a lesson because by the end seth is we'll just use the tele with transporter we'll use the transporter to fix that fix this me you and the baby we're going to live together in this weird trinity of you know genetic mishmash he doesn't think he's bad but he you know he's going to change the world for better or for worse okay i'm getting a lot of um fly hate in the uh, in the chat i mean they're not spiders i'll say that but they're flies okay there's a lot of irresponsible in this all right so moving along this then is um I, you know what i don't think it's that gross but this is the slide um 
that got us uh, put up to an R rating for the evening. Um, so I'm just forewarning you, if you uh, have a heart condition, may or may not be pregnant or get nauseous easily, you may wanna close your eyes and just listen to the, the soothing tones of my voice perhaps. All right, so this movie is known for its body horror. So is Cronenberg. Uh, <laughs> chat's cracking me up. Uh, so is Cronenberg. And if you're gonna put this in a movie, it could be there for shock, right? It could be there for just the, the gore value and stuff like that. But I like to pretend that people do things on purpose for a reason. And if there was a reason, you know, why have such gross body horror? How is that used effectively in this movie? These scenes were not ideal. I had the the dream scene where she gives birth to the the baby fly larva, and I was I was we that I'm not gonna lie to you. We're, we're not not outside because of the rain. We're not outside because there was some uh, there was some butting heads artistically over what what I was gonna be allowed to do. Uh, so the compromise was I warned you and took away the uh, fly baby. That flight was that part was awesome. Um, okay, so any thoughts? Uh, raise your hand. Uh, say it out loud. Type it in the chat. Um, how is body horror being used? Why use body horror in this movie? Why is Cronenberg the perfect director for a film like this? How does this really hammer home some kind of message or warning? It does evoke a re reaction. That was the, the scene on the bottom left is what I was gonna reenact for you. What my, and I was gonna, my ear was gonna fall off and couldn't get the, uh, the spirit gum working. So there is definitely a transformation. I and mean, if you think about the hero's journey, this is um, a really gross hero's journey that Seth goes on, um, including with his death and rebirth kind of thing. Um, but maybe he's not the hero on the journey. Yeah, no, I know. I'm just, I'm throwing it out there. Yeah, I'm reading Ryan's comment. So um, Ryan says it could have been used to show what people think will happen when they get the vaccine, which is actually um, a good transition to the next question. So I'm gonna hold that for a second. Um, the destructive face is what happened to Gina Davis in Beetlejuice. Um, the guy had one bad jealous night and turned himself into a fly. And that's it, right? Like his emotions get the better of him. It's because he's, he, his human, Right, his human nature kind of gets in the way of this. If he was a machine, the machine would have been logical and wouldn't have gone in the tele in the transporter because it wouldn't have felt jealousy because it doesn't feel those feelings yet. Um, but yeah, you can feel sorry for him for that. All right, so let's look at let's look at. Hey, Sharon, I missed you coming in. Um, maybe we are afraid of the vaccine, so. In the 80s, uh, the, in the mid 80s, right, um, the AIDS crisis is happening, right? And I think in some ways you can draw parallels between that and this movie. Um, now, Cronenberg has said that the older he gets and the more he comes back to this movie, the more he thinks it's more universal than AIDS. Uh, he thinks it's about death and dying and, you know, falling apart. But it's somewhere in his mind when he was making this movie, he's gone on record saying, AIDS and, and, and HIV was influencing that. So can you guys see anything there with that? How does it, what does it say about that? 
Sure, Jamie. Talking is permitted for you. You in the back, wearing the hat. All right. Well, I well I so, go ahead. Okay. Uh, no, so I was actually answering sort of the last question a little bit about what does the 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 the, the body horror show effects about modern technology and like Please. he, you know, at one point like it becomes disfiguring at the end, but at the first part, like for the first the middle twenty five minutes of the movie. He liked the body dysmorphia that was occurring from it. Yeah. And he was sort of like, he kind of knew that something was wrong or he was, try, he was trying to avoid it. He was aware that he was changed. He was aware that he was changed, but he was like liking the change. And he was willing to risk the dysmorphia that comes with it. Uh, and it's, it's kind of strange. Like he's like, well, I know the end results are going to be bad, but I'm kind of willing to test the limits because he was able to become like a gymnast uh, with some weird gymnastic scenes. Where he starts using the parallel board, the, the high bar, and in the apartment and stuff like that. You can tell the moment it goes from stunt double to him again, though, in the cut. Um, yeah, but have to be able to know. There's no, there's that was a hundred percent Jeff Goldblum and his beautiful body. It was definitely not Jeff Goldblum. I, I, you know, I love to live in fantasy worlds. Also, ever, and there's another movie Thank that you. Cronenberg directed, which is like a really, really good movie. It's super weird. Crash mm -hmm. uh, in '96, where the the people in that movie like to get their thrills end up crashing cars on purpose and disforming yeah. their bodies to the point where they're like wearing like leg braces and stuff like that, but they enjoy it because it's the only way they can get any excitement out of life. So they sort of disintegrate their bodies over the course of the movie until eventually they die. But for the sake of like, I'm now having seen this movie and just remembering that he did crash, they kind of like, maybe he got the inspiration for that movie from here. Cause like that was the, real dominant part of this movie it was the middle part where he was like this yeah. is good we should all do this he was trying to get her to do it because he wanted her to feel the effects of it not avoid the effects of it yeah he and that mind he kind of knew that something was you know god he was kind of trying to self-delude himself out of thinking it was all going to go sideways yeah and i mean like he comes out and his the first thing he says to the monkey besides i'm sorry i killed your brother uh but the first thing he says out of it the machine is you know, am I am I changed? Is this live or Memermax? Um, you know, like he's immediately questioning, did this make me better or worse somehow? And yeah, right. Initially, he thinks it's made him better. Uh, you know, and he wants he's a new he's an elevated god like man um, who's drank deep the plasma spring. And he just wants a companion, right? If he's this new Adam, he's looking for someone to be an Eve. Um, yeah. And we know it works because he goes through it multiple times. Um, yeah, he does. There were no he, flies he, the second time. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, uh, he just kept going through it thinking it was improving him, but maybe yeah. he didn't realize the fly was the thing that improved him at first. I'm not sure about that. Yeah. So he kept going through it thinking he just became a different human being. Yeah, and it's with the improvement stuff that we really enter into the whole genetics, uh, genetic engineering, uh, genetic gene therapy kind of stuff, designer babies. It's like, should we filter this stuff? Um, should we allow, um, yeah, and again, there's the whole abortion angle also, um, where this is very um, supportive of women's rights, right? Um, this movie's not coming down critical on that. Um, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, they sort of. They sort of they sort of tip their finger on the scale by making it a 
an evil alien baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With, with fly DNA that was going to start vomiting on its own food. It's an extreme. Yeah. But it definitely, it definitely had that angle to it. Yeah. And it's like, um, going back to the, the social stuff, right? Like this is a time where like there was a disease out and people had many questions and people were, um, very afraid. Uh, and I think even going back to Ryan's comment about you know, uh, you know, COVID and the vaccine now seeing we're going to like YouTube's not going to let us put this on YouTube uh, because this is all going to be flagged. But uh, with that, I think that it's valid that there's something like we we the body horror stuff scares us, you know, and like we, we fear um, medicine uh, technology going awry. Um, but also how we treat the individuals, I think is important, right? She is there for him through his deterioration as much as she can. We fear pain, we fear death, right? Um, the nightmare imagery in the middle of this movie when Seth is falling apart are, is like every nightmare you're ever gonna have. Teeth coming out, fingernails coming off, right? I, I don't know about you, but those are all the like, the fever dream nightmares I have, you know, it's like, oh, it's, you know, and it's all, you know, fearing of getting older and, and dying and all this other stuff. This is good, guys. It feels like therapy. Yeah. Um, Everett, elaborate. I think your comment's good, but I need more. Oh, I need Okay. I was just saying like the like parts like falling out and like not being like where they where they're supposed to be like with like yeah that's all no there's a there's an extremeness to it right so Everett mm -hmm. was saying it's like anti-smoking commercials and things like that and there is there's an extremeness to it the the shock that we talked about before getting people's attention you know um look what will happen to you if you drink deep the plasma pool you know um and yeah, Seth's whole rant is there's weird. It's weird, you know, the whole rant about penetration. Um, you don't all you know is society's straight line about the flesh. You you can't penetrate beyond it, you know. Um, there's this um, counterculture vibe to to him there. Um, makes me think of the face melting scene at the end of Raiders. That's very true, Lisa. All right, so general rules about end of movies like this pay attention to who dies and who lives right and that'll tell you kind of somewhere in it the movie's message about the the actions and the the philosophies that you've seen you know shared and the ideas that have played out over the course of the hour and a half two hours that you've you know entered this fantasy world yeah Craig says the boyfriend lived. I mean, it's ex-boyfriend, Stathis Barnes. Um, yeah, he lives and he, he's a jerk. He's the heel for most of the movie, right? Um, and then somewhere in the third act, there's a turn with him. And I don't know that he is less of a jerk, but maybe Seth has become a bigger jerk at that point. Uh, something to consider. Why is he a jerk? Um, I mean, I, I, he just loves her. You're right. And he, he sneaks into her apartment, won't give the key back, is all up in her business, manipulating her from a position of power. I mean, I wouldn't date him. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I mean, stalker. This jerk guy in Die Hard. 
Hans? No, okay. Uh, oh no, I know who you're talking about. Is it the same act? No, it's not. They just it's dudes with beards. I see. Um, yeah, you're right. The bearded guy who's like uh, Hans Booby. Yeah, uh, I'll take care of this for you. I know him. Um, okay, so then, right? Death is a punishment. Who's the villain? Who's the hero of this? Is Seth the villain? Is Stathis Barnes our hero? Is he the 1980s male equivalent of what a hero is by this point? Um, is it an anti-hero kind of situation playing out? What do you guys think? No heroes. This is just a bleak dystopian movie where there are no more heroes. I mean, I don't know. I think Ronnie's pretty heroic. Uh, if, if you were going to ask me, I think uh, Gina Davis's character, um, she's the she's who I root for over the course of this film. Um, but I don't know what you guys think. She's the best of the lot. Yeah, I mean, she could be more honest with Seth, I guess, before leaving that night to go talk to Sa Stathis. But even their names, they're like foils for each other, Seth and Stathis. Um, Gina Davis wins. So notice this, right? Gina Davis leaves with maybe a fly baby, right? Uh, Seth gets a shotgun to the face um, and also merges with the old machine. Um, and then even Stathis, right? What does he lose a hand and a leg? You know, he's maimed, he's crippled by this. Um, nobody really walks away from this film unscathed. And I mean, I think you could definitely tie that in with the message about technology and how we, the speed at which we proceed, right? Um, the casualties of technological advancement, if you will. Everybody's irresponsible. How come? I think you have a scientist who didn't follow scientific procedure. You know, you, you commit, you, you have an experiment, you log, you monitor, and you see what the results are over a period of time to see what happens, right? He didn't know what would happen with the monkey. He jumped in the tank himself. It really shouldn't have been a human going next. Um, Gina Davis's character probably would be considered a promiscuous character if you wanted to look at her. She had a relationship with her coworker and as a journalist, she was having a relationship with her subject. And then you have that other guy who, you know, was just really a douche. Okay, from an ethical standpoint, she's a journalist sleeping with her, you know, her interviewee. Okay, uh, I'll give that. Gina Davis does not, uh, you know, is not a perfect person either. Um, I think they're all subject to their emotions um, in this movie. Um, I don't know if I, I guess irresponsible, you could put them all in that category. Sure. Even Stathis, he's ready to push this story without even knowing what it is, right? He's like, well, we're just gonna piece the story together. You know, there's information out there about it if you look for it. You know, it's not even finished. He didn't believe Brundle yesterday, um, but he's ready to, yeah, just run with it, tell the world. So I guess, yeah, there's a level of irresponsibility with all of them. So everyone in the movie's irresponsible. The movie's telling us we're irresponsible. So humans are the problem, not the technology. Well, yeah, and I think that's been our, um, that's the fact we keep coming back to with these movies, right? Technology is neutral. It's neither good nor bad. It's, it's all about how it's used and who's using it. And often it's, well, 
almost always it's us using it um, more often for ill than good. So yeah, it's, it's, it's man that was the monster um, to quote King Kong. But the, I imagine Jack Black saying it um, when I picture it. All right, any other thoughts about hero or villain? Maybe it's just the fly? All right, so we've got a whole slew of people who have talking permitted. Anybody? Stefan, you just popped up. You want to say anything? I'm just vamping now. All right. <clears throat> so, I mean, again, in terms of the message, right? Jamie's saying society is the real villain. It's the pressures of creating good content. Now you mean like in, in the meta contextual sense where it's like as a filmmaker, um, you know, and producing this movie or are you saying like in the world of the movie, it's the society in that world. Ronnie was making a documentary. Brundle was in the chamber when he filmed it. Okay, in the movie. Yeah, I could see that. So it's, so this is the starting, this is the beginning of reality TV. She's like, no, you have to talk about it. Talk to the camera. Tell us what you're feeling. Okay. He does record it when he goes through. That's a good point as well. It's all being documented. There's evidence. No, Stefan, it's okay. Okay. Um... So then final thoughts, final thoughts about our second Jeff Goldblum film. Third, third Jeff Goldblum film. I think every 4th of July, uh, the tradition must be Jeff Goldblum. Earth Girls Are Easy has to do with technology, right? Yeah, we can make that work. Um, final thoughts, good idea. I'm not going to say this is worse than um, trying to Zoom with high schoolers. And I know we're all disappointed about not being outside. But as I sweat here in my, because the rest of my body is still fly. I don't know that you realize this. Um, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm bombing. Sharon loves Jeff Goldblum. First fly was scarier. Really, Lisa? Okay. I've seen it a couple of times, but I have not seen it in a couple of years. I would go back to it. That's some uh, late night viewing I could do, especially in a mystery science theater kind of scenario. <laughs> Too much info, Stefan. Yeah, you're right. I'm not. I'm only. I'm. I'm only fly from the the like waist down. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> go ahead. I just thought that. Um... Like this is along with like a bunch of other uh, things like it. There's someone believes that like them as an individual can like can do something great and just despite um, despite them maybe being able to do it. I think this is sort of why I don't know things like this are done as like large projects in like big labs and things. Not in chamber yeah yeah not in the in someone's basement or in a rented out garage that no one's your abandoned building mm -hmm. yeah no like, that's a good point 
Um, it's like the idea of the like lone genius doesn't exist. Any genius that's alone is a is basically a supervillain, right? Yeah. Like um, I don't Einstein didn't super work villain. alone. You know, Einstein would have made. I, I'm waiting for Hollywood to make like a Indiana Jones style like franchise about like a like a young Einstein. Yeah. I can't believe like we haven't made like adventure movies about him yet. What's annoying, Kevin, what's annoying about this is that the, the, his experiment was a success. The whole thing was successful. And it was just like that darn fly. (laughs) We could be teleporting now, if not for this darn fly. That's true. Um, Yeah, it's the tiniest thing. The tiniest detail could be overlooked, right? Because we're fallible, right? None of us are perfect. And it's this idea that if he had been not, if he wasn't alone, if he wasn't working in isolation, if he had somebody else besides the monkey there with him, this could have been avoided, right? And that goes back to that idea that like the working in isolation is the problem, right? You need other people's opinions. You need their perspectives. You need their knowledge because we stand on the shoulders of giants. Um, And that's why like, you know, I love talking to you guys because I don't know anything about this movie and we just kind of put our heads together and and come up with all these cool thoughts. Yeah, but maybe you also need someone to be like, maybe you shouldn't do that. You know, maybe you should just back away from the ledge a little bit and think about it another way. Yeah, I think it was the the monkey, the baboon. He was, it was payback. He planted that fly there. Well, (laughs) all right, wait. Okay, real talk for a second. You imagine that that apartment was probably covered in, in monkey poop, right? So whose fault is that fly really anyway? You know, if you think about it. Just, just what I'm saying. We're, like, why is the fly there? It's, it's the monkey. You clean up more. <laughs> monkey was not wearing a diaper, right? So, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Um, hey, you learned something in health class, Everett. Good. Go ahead. It, I think it's also about um, not just isolation, it's about ethics and morals. Please. Because um, look at the cloning, um, was it the, 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 the guy that cloned, did he clone a human being? And then the scientific community was saying to him that ethically you shouldn't be doing that, but you know, he was kind of outside of the scientific community. I think he was in China. So he was doing, you know, the next phase of what they would naturally do um, Mm -hmm. in scientific process. So why is he doing this? You know, why is he trying to transport? Because he didn't want motion sickness. Yeah. No. <laughs> yes. No, I know what you mean though. And he wanted the fame of doing it on his own. That's why the only one that knew about it is a reporter who's going to document it, put him on the front of a cover and, you know, video it. Yeah, and that's he... the that's the other danger is fame. Mm-hmm. It's like are you doing the science for the science or are you doing the science to put your name on a star or whatever? And no, that that's a great point. Is dangerous, too. No, you're right. Like it's that ego. It's the hubris. It's the Dr. Frankenstein was. If I could figure out one, the answer to one of these questions, well, then you know I'd be happy. You know, it's that idea that like he's driven by this desire to be the best, mm-hmm. um, and there is something very American about that. 
um where you know like you got to be the best it's dog eat dog you know work together but do it alone you know yeah right that's true it's, there's something a little schizophrenic about it I told American her i can show you the most interesting thing in this room mm-hmm. yeah and like why did he go to the party he went to the party to talk about this right like he's a he's a hermit maybe the company he works for made him go to that you know scientific gala or whatever it was but like he's there openly talking to ronnie about this experiment about what he's working on and that's you know? part of the business too that's part of the process because how are you going to get funding if your scientists aren't out there promoting what they're doing okay good point yeah publisher parish yeah and she was also an attractive uh an attractive um reporter so i think that probably played a role into what into it too come back to my lab and let me show you what i'm doing <laughs> yeah it definitely seems like he's trying to pick her up even that's she's suspicious of it too i just don't know that he's got the the social graces to be even trying a lot of really smart people don't no mm. but you're you're looking at one um i, I just I get adopted by extroverts all the time um i don't think you did too bad Thank you, Sharon. You're 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 the best. Um, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay, final thoughts, because we have five minutes. I guess this is one of the grossest movies I've ever seen, and I can never finish it. And I hope I never have to watch it again. Yeah, I tried. We yeah, we tried to watch it at least three times, and uh, back out. Wait, you didn't finish it? Oh, I did. I, no, I've seen it before, so I knew I didn't want to finish it when we were watching it recently. And no, I didn't finish it. As soon as like he like pulls like something off his back, I'm like, all right, I'm done. And his <laughs> ear fell off. I'm like, nope, no more. Not I, don't, I don't know why. I did not expect the skin shedding at the end. Yeah, that that scene where the head opens up and the eyes just like liquefy is really gross. I've looked at a lot of gifts, you know, that uh, a lot of I've just it's burned into my brain now. So that's why I feel very desensitized to the to the grossness where I'm just like, yeah, yeah, it's gross. I get it. But I, I'm totally oblivious to like if other people find it really as gross as I guess they do. Yeah, I watched oh, it. Apologies. I, I, listened I thought to it, it was um, I thought it would be a nice, happy summer flick for everyone, you know? Yeah, it's pretty nasty, but I'm still eating dinner. <laughs> yeah, Stevens, uh, <laughs> Stevens eating dinner through this whole thing. We got we got Jeff Goldblum's head coming apart. Yeah, but I do find it interesting because it is less about like technology and, and the perils of technology and really more just focused on human like that's what I find interesting about this and especially this is a choice for this class. Yeah, you need uh, well thank you you need um, that human element, I think that's what's interesting in this movie more than you know the the effect the practical effects and all of that. Um, and to be fair, the practical effects stand up. <laughs> yeah, no, they did. They aged really well. You're right. Yeah. And then he goes from this to Jurassic Park. And he becomes the cautious one in Jurassic Park. It's like a complete yeah, 180 really, on the character. Which is really <laughs> ironic. Wait, maybe in Jurassic Park, it's Brendel's son. <laughs> in your head canon, is that what it is? All the movies are connected. It's one big cinematic universe. Has anybody thought about that in Jeff Goldblum films? Like, could somebody do some research? We could, we could try. I'll, I'll get the, the, the brains behind Talking Technophobia to put their heads together and we'll see what we can come up with. <laughs> um, 
I was going to try to count how many times he says, uh, in this, but I, you know, I didn't think that was a good use of my time. I didn't have weeks. <laughs> I'm sure somebody already did that. It's online already. No, you, you got to be right. Just like all of these movies I want to recut, at, all the movies we do, I want to recut as like romantic comedies and stuff. And then I see that someone's redone it online. Wait, did Dina show you the video I sent her on the internet today of Chuck Norris? Because she oh. showed after this. Okay, I'll ask, I'll ask to see that. I don't think I've seen it yet. It was essentially, if you change the music to Kung Fu films, it's a very different story. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, yeah, I can then. see that. Is this on YouTube? Yes. Yeah, it must be. There's only... A... There's only a super cut of Jeff Goldblum making noises uh, yes. online. I'll send, good to, too. I'll send it to really everybody satisfying. in the uh, Talking Technophobia and Film Facebook group. Is there okay. one? Oh, isn't there? Oh, oh, I don't know, Jamie. Are you going to run one? I will so run it. All right. Uh, let it be written. <laughs> let it be done. Um, with that said, thank you all for coming. Um, I, I swear that I heard a rumor that maybe in September we might be together. So I'm going to keep fighting the good fight because I miss you all. Um, and be so cool. at we could host it at Made. That's awesome. I, yeah, that's that's cool. Uh, I've got a couple options so we can talk about it if you want. Um, also, like I said, if it's Labor Day weekend, is that it? Is that the right one? Uh -huh. no, yes. Memorial Day weekend, which yes, is the one correct. in September, guys. It's Labor Day. Okay, cool. I got it right. If it's Labor Day weekend and we have to move it, I guess I'll let you know. Um, but thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your ideas and listening to each other. Thank you guys at the end who started speaking out loud because, you know, that, that was helpful. It makes me not think I regret my life choices. Um, all right. <laughs> so next time. No, it's true. It's a, I didn't know that I could valuable. turn my mute button off and just engage in a conversation. You could, and you can, and you did. And I, I think I'll know that for next time, although hopefully next time we're in person, but I would have had it off the whole time engaging. I'm going to purge Zoom from my computer after tonight. So uh, I think that's going to force us to be in person. Because from what I hear, you can't re-download things from the internet once you do. So, you know. That's not true. All right, no? Oh, darn. What's the next all right, so. We've got, yeah, I'm trying. We got uh, two more movies left. Um, and our next one is um, gonna happen in September, uh, Labor Day weekend, maybe. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I'm not being mean. Um, and uh, it fits with the mad scientist thing. And um, well, all right, I guess, you know, that's it. We, uh, you'll find out, you know, you'll find Aww. out. Aww. But, Aww. Wrong, but, in case, but in case I don't see you, have a good afternoon, good evening, and good night. What? Uh, because in September, we're going to watch The Truman I was going to say, uh, Jeff Goldblum is not in Truman Show. Jeff Goldblum is not in Truman Show. <laughs> this year is not the year of Jeff Goldblum. Next year Damn might be the year of Jeff Goldblum. Kevin, change the date so I could do that one. Okay. All right. That's I can't come birthday. over today. I think, yeah, I think the date's probably gonna have to change. I just have to look. Um, it could be the following Friday, maybe. I gotta check with the powers that be. You know, you know they call the shots. I'm just a, a number <laughs> cruncher over here in TV land. Okay. Well, with that said, uh, I, I, I do bid you a good afternoon, good evening, and good night. And thanks for coming by. I have been your uh, incorrigible host, uh, Professor Movies. And this has Yay! been Talking Technophobia. I will see you Yay. next time. Yay. Bye. Yay.